0: wondered how taboo shame and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving intimate relationships join me for another episode of our orgasmic birth podcast pleasure in pregnancy birth and parenting as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life Epidural has become so common that many people today even personalize it when they talk about it, saying, my epidural. Have you considered that there are other options to experience comfort and even pleasure in childbirth without some of the risks of epidurals? Instead of losing sensations in your body, experience sensations with peace and ecstasy. Hi, I'm Deborah pascali Benaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. Today, I am so honored to be joined by friend and colleague, Dr. Aviva Ram, to discuss birth as a sexual experience, the new epidural. Dr. Aviva Ram is a midwife, an herbalist, and Yale-trained physician, board-certified in family medicine with obstetrics a practitioner, a teacher, an activist, and an advocate of both environmental health and women's reproductive rights in health. She's been bridging the best of traditional medicine, total health ecology, and good science for over three decades. She's a longtime home birth pioneer and birth activist. Her company's philanthropic arm Dharma Moms provides funding for organizations working toward reproductive justice and birth equity in high-risk obstetric communities. She's also a world-renowned herbalist, author of the textbook Botanical Medicines for Women's Health, as well as seven other books, including Hormone Intelligence, an instant New York Times bestseller, which explores the impact of the world we live in on women's hormones and health and brings us a new medicine for women that is at once holistic and natural while being grounded in the best science and medicine has to offer. Her podcasts, articles, books, and online programs are educating a next generation of health practitioners. Dr. Ram lives and practices medicine in the Berkshires and in New York City. Welcome, Dr. Ram. I know that others are as interested as I am to hear your share your insights as you share about birth as a sexual experience.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Please call me Aviva, and I'm delighted to be here to talk about this. You know, the first thing that came to my mind was this. Mama that I worked with many, many years ago, we're talking a few decades ago now, as she was having a home birth. And a couple of things were really interesting. Actually, she came to my house for a prenatal visit one afternoon, one Saturday afternoon. And she said, can a baby be born in its sack? And I said, it sure can. It's called being born in the call. And it's considered mystical or even like prophetic in in some traditional belief systems. And I said, what makes you ask? She said, well, I had a dream last night that my baby was born in this big bubble of water. And then you opened the sack and the baby was in my arms. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And she was like 38 weeks pregnant and she left and she went into labor and she had her baby in the middle of the night, that night, born in the call. But what was also really interesting was... She, during labor, when she was pushing her baby out, she was, I remember squatting, kind of semi-standing, and she just kept saying, this feels so good. Nobody told me this could feel so good. And I thought, wow, I had had four children at that point, and I would definitely consider labor powerful and empowering, but it never dawned on me that it could feel good. It was a very interesting just moment of birth for me, for sure. I don't think most women think of birth as a sensation that we look forward to in the sense that, oh, this feels good. Let me have more of this. Yet we also tend to, as you said so beautifully in the introduction, feel, want to feel less of what's going on in our body, not more. And for me, I just want to be very clear. I have absolutely zero judgment of anyone, however a person births that's absolutely how they need to birth. And whether that is an epidural, a planned C-section, or birthing in a river in you know their community, how they birth is how they birth and how they need to birth. I also want to just talk about other possibilities. And sometimes an epidural can be the most important thing. I've had many women who I've transferred from a home birth to a hospital birth where an epidural made all the difference in going from being kind of stuck at five centimeters for hours and hours and hours to getting completely dilated or women who have experienced sexual trauma in their life for whom the sensations of labor and birth were too reminiscent for them. They were too close to discomfort and where the epidural provided relief and empowerment. So I want to really embrace all possibilities as powerful birth choices. And I also want to say that there's another way for people who want to go this other path, which is to to get re-embodied about birth. And we have so many tropes in our culture of the Madonna, the mother in this sort of glow, this basking glow of motherhood. We've desexualized pregnancy to the point where my oldest is 37. And I can remember when my kids were young and I was you know, having my pregnancies, the kind of pregnancy clothing that you could get at places like P in the pod just looked like these infantilized little girl, baby doll things that were not, in my opinion, the empowering types of clothing that I would have chosen to wear. And I think we set ourselves up for disenfranchising ourselves from our bodies when we separate pregnancy and birth from the obvious sexual experience it is, unless you had IVF or another form of getting pregnant, it it involved sex. Hopefully good, pleasurable sex. I know that's not going to be the case for everyone listening, but it's invariably some form of sexual experience. Even if you have in vitro sperm, semen came from somewhere and somebody had to still, you still had to get that baby up inside there. Maybe not the most romantic scenario though. But how can we re engage with our bodies, be embodied, and experience birth in a more empowered way. And I feel for me, at least as a midwife and also as a physician, but also having my own children, going more into our bodies as opposed to escaping our bodies. And and those of us in birth work know that when a woman is making sounds, for example, that are very high-pitched or kind of almost disembodied, those aren't often as effective as the very deep sexual-like sounds that often bring a baby down and bring a baby out. So I tongue-in-cheek said birth as sexual, you know, an alternative to an epidural. But in fact, when we get more embodied with the experience, I do believe that it can provide tremendous relief from discomfort. It can help us to reframe discomfort as power. And by bringing our sexuality back into birth, becoming free with how we move our bodies, with how we move our hips, with the sounds that we make. And even being sexual or romantic, if we have a partner during labor, can loosen our our musculature and help us birth with more ease and less resistance. So that's just some starter thoughts to get us going.
0: <laughs> and, and I love this. First of all, I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for framing that everybody will choose what's safest and best for them. But then you went into that story and I, I have to say, wow, like, you know, this, I didn't know this would feel so good. And, and that's something I've certainly heard over the years too. And I have to say, if you like reflect back on your own births, is there anything of what we're learning now that you would do different? Is there any way that you would include intimacy and sexuality, well, or did for me, you?
1: personally? I had all. I was very fortunate, so I started studying midwifery when I was fifteen years old. So by this oh, time, my I was having yeah, I was very young. So for me, my entry into midwifery was first. I went to a childbirth education. Well, first I got a copy of Spiritual Midwifery when I was 15. By the time I was 16, I was becoming a certified childbirth educator in a program in Boston that happened to be centered at Nancy Wayner Cohen's house. And Nancy wrote the book Silent Knife back in the day. So I remember this moment in class where Nancy pulled out this very provocative black negligee and laid on her back in this very sexy way. And Nancy's kind of this petite, like soccer mom looking lady. So it wasn't, it was kind of funny actually, but it was really powerful. And she said that if you're birthing in the hospital, this idea of birth as sexual is so offensive and taboo that she said, I promise you, if you want people to leave you alone, instead of wearing a hospital Johnny, like that, you know, hospital gown, ugly blue thing, wear a negligee, and every time somebody comes to the door and asks if you need to be checked or they're gonna check you, just start moaning like you're orgasmically moaning and they will leave you alone. And truth be told, that is the case. I mean, people are gonna be so freaked out by that that if you don't want them in there behaving that way, will will really create a safety bubble around you of, of privacy. And then I had a mentor when I was 18 Janine Parvati Baker, who's now passed away, but she wrote the first women's herbal of modern times called Hygieia, a woman's herbal. And she brought prenatal yoga to the United States in the late 1970s. She was quite ahead of her time and brilliant. And she talked about how we birth the way we live. And she also used to jokingly say that she could tell how a woman would give birth by whether she had orgasms and the quality of her orgasms. And I remember being quite young and, and still, like, I don't want to have judgment or be judgmental or, or, like, buy into a judgmental view that your sexuality and your birth are necessarily tied together because it's way more complicated than that. But there was this aspect of, are we connecting with our bodies in a way that is juicy, and allows for easy, free movement. And I'll tell you a story. I love this quote. Stories are data with a soul. I had a mama that I was working with many, many years ago for a home birth. And she grew up in a very strict religious home. One of her parents was a minister, her dad. And while she never said that she had Any sexual trauma as a child, I did have some concerns that perhaps at some point there had been some sexual trauma. She wanted to have her baby at home because she was really afraid of the hospital environment. She had had some not so great medical experiences in the past, and she was very private about her body. And the idea of being naked in front of strangers in the hospital, particularly men, was just beyond overwhelming and terrifying for her. She wanted a birth at home, in the as dark as it could be, with her husband not seeing anything going on with the birth, she wanted him in the room, and she literally never undressed or changed her clothes in front of him at all. When they did have sex, it was you know covered up in the dark. so a lot of disconnect from her own sexual self and possible trauma and when she was due around the her due date, she called me up and was just no other way to say it. I can't even say it politely. She was freaking out. And as a midwife, you get these phone calls where somebody is really, really, you know, they're just there. They had a fast and furious labor and they're calling you up and they're like, I can't handle it. I think I'm going to have the baby any minute. And it was like that kind of a panic call. But as midwives, we all know there's sort of two ends of that. There is the person who is actually really having a very fast and intense labor and is very far progressed. And there's the person who is probably barely dilated, but is just freaking out about the sensation because it's so overwhelming and they, for whatever reason, even with the best of preparation, when it comes down to it, it's really overwhelming. So as I did, I went to her, her house to support her and talk with her. And what got clear was that she was in very early labor I asked if I could check her. And I don't check people's dilation routinely, but in this situation, I needed to know, are we about to have a baby, which didn't seem like it, or what's going on, so I could give her information. And she was barely, you know, just over a centimeter dilated and really, really just completely emotional and losing it and freaked out. And so I did some, you know, little healing touch, kind of gentle soothing. We made some tea. We talked. We talked. We sat together and did some breathing. And I asked her, what is it? What is the fear? And she's like, I'm so just afraid of having to see down there, my baby coming down there. What if my husband sees down there? It was like everything down there, down there. It was just like this Netherlands, Netherlands for her. And so I said, with your permission, what I'd like to do is leave you with my birthing mirror, I had a big hand mirror, but it was big, you know, the size of like a a small computer screen. And I said, I'm going to leave this with you. And I'm going to ask you to go into your bedroom. It was early morning. So it was dim light still. I'm going to ask you to go in your bedroom and take off your pants and your underwear and just have a look down there and try to give some appreciation and some love. That's it. And she called. I checked in with her in about an hour to see how she was doing. She had calmed down. She hadn't done it yet. And then she called me back maybe four hours later, six hours later, in active labor. And not only did she have her baby some hours later, but she gave birth sitting mid-afternoon, late afternoon, sitting in her husband's lap, like her leg. He's sitting on the edge of the bed. She's sitting with her legs over him, almost like he's forming a birthing stool, in front of a full length mirror so the only thing between the mirror and her cooch and the baby coming out was me so i was moving over to the side because she really wanted to see and it just gives me chills even now and when she came i went back to her for her first week of postpartum visits and then two weeks later she came to me for a postpartum visit and we sat down and talked and she said i never looked before i never appreciated the beauty of my vulva, of what my body could do before. And she said, just relaxing into the fact that this was a sexual experience is what really made all that difference for me. And it's always stuck with me as that disconnect that we have with our sexual selves. So that's just one example of how it can really, in action, make a difference. I've also worked with women who, in labor, I've said, let's really just get you moving your body, you know, in a deep belly dancing, sexual, beautiful, sensual way. Back to what you asked me, though. I got off on a long tangent. I was really fortunate. So I started studying midwifery when I was 15. I had an incredible collective of Afrocentric Black midwives, really deeply reclaiming women's power, Black culture, who were my mentors. And who also, my main mentor happened to also be an African dancer. She actually created and still runs one of the longest trajectory Black women's dance collectives in the country. So there was a lot of connection to a very connecting to your primal self way of birth. And then my mentor, Janine Parvati, really deeply teaching me about birth as a sexual experience. So for me, I had four beautiful... Beautiful home births that were very embodied, very empowered, really connected with my partner intimately, sensually. So yeah, for me, I wouldn't change anything, honestly. They were three of our babies were born, just me and my husband. I'm not saying I endorse that for everyone. And there were reasons I made that choice. So for me, I wouldn't honestly change anything other than I wish that to hear. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had wonderful births. I think the only things I would change would would be my first postpartum. I really wanted to do a deep nesting in month and had some family that came to visit and really ridiculed what I was doing and ended up getting pulled out into the world the first week after my son was born, ended up getting mastitis and really was very, I ended up, I was able to treat it on my own, but it was extremely painful and very frightening. And so with the next three babies, I was just like boundary city of who was in my space and letting myself be more nurtured that way. But yeah, short of that, I wouldn't change anything. And I think going back as a midwife, the one thing I think I would be more comfortable doing now, but I'm also 56 and I have 40 years of experience since I started so young. I was already apprenticing at 18. Incredible. I would be more overt and more persistent around working, uncovering and working with women who have had sexual trauma. Because I've seen far too many times how unaddressed, and even when it's addressed with therapy, when it comes to the actual experience of labor, it can be very difficult to integrate those sensations. So working with women more around being prepared, how do we address this if it comes up? What do you need? What words are safe words for you and what words are not safe words for you would be important, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I really appreciate you saying that because I do feel it's another big gap in the system, right, is that many people don't have providers that are addressing and talking. Are there any other tips for survivors that you might just say now, one or two,
1: just to help them as they're listening? Yeah, thank you for inviting me to do that. I think anything you can do to help the people that you are expecting to get support and care from, your midwives, your partner, it's important for them to know that you have this history. Because then when things come up, if you are having a hard time integrating early labor, if there are safe words for you, I had one client who's perpetrator always said, relax, relax, relax. And relax is such a common word that we use for laboring women. Breathe deep, relax. I mean, for her, that would have been the most, you know, re-traumatizing thing. So as much as you can talk with, and if there are still unresolved issues that you haven't addressed that you feel like you need to, journaling, communicating with your provider's um, support team, it's really important. And then I think... I mean, honestly, I really think that's it. And it's, and then as things are coming up for you in labor with a new baby at your breast, it can be, that can be triggering for women. Make sure to continue to reach out and get help and know that it's not your fault. You do not have to carry shame for this. You did not do anything wrong. You did not invite it. There's nothing wrong with you. And you're also not alone in this. I mean, we're talking statistics of one in four women at least who have had some sexual trauma. And I don't mean just, verbal, I mean, actual physical. So not judging yourself, loving yourself. And if you need relief from pain, even within all the things that we're talking about, that can be part of your empowerment too, to ask for the epidural. If that's what you know you needed, that's okay also. Thank you for those great wisdom.
0: And so as we're kind of coming back and wrapping up too, I want to ask you, you know we we started talking about how to connect birth to sexuality. And I know for a lot of people, that's like really hard to put those two words yeah. anywhere near each other. And you've shared beautiful stories that are really touching of how people have integrated that. Are there any yeah. other tips you'd like to leave people with with that?
1: Well, I think also figuring out what you like and what works for you sexually before you're pregnant if you have the opportunity to whether figuring that out for yourself or if you have a partner figuring that out with your partner during pregnancy really enjoying your body sexually to the extent that you feel physically comfortable and working with your pro- midwife if, and you know to add to what you asked earlier about any words of advice for people who have experienced trauma it's also okay to ask for all female providers if that's going to make a difference for you and I have done that even in hospital we need female OB. We need female nursing team. No men coming in the room. Just wanted to share that. But as much as you can enjoy your pregnant self, if you feel sexual and some women, it goes one way. They don't feel like being as intimate. But if you do, exploring your body and you're having your partner explore your body and figuring out what brings you pleasure and then remembering that's how the baby got in for the most most people. And how can you use that if you need to to get the baby out. So we talk about nipple stimulation, like to get labor going, but we think of it so mechanically, like, you know, yanking on the nipples, like you're some milking cow, but how can sensuality be part of that? How can, if you're going overdue and you're being pushed to have an induction, sex, especially penetrative sex, if you're with a male partner with semen, semen acts as a prostaglandin, that's the same hormone that's used to stimulate labor using sex and intimacy to bring labor on and then during labor again that it doesn't have to be nipple stimulation but having your nipples touched having clitoral stimulation unless your waters broken then you want to be a little bit more careful with any genital touch down there clitoral stimulation with clean hands should still be okay just no vaginal penetration if your waters are broken if that brings you pleasure that can be deeply relaxing for your pelvis. It can feel great. It can be an intimate experience. So if you're looking for tools, things that you can try creating intimate space, and I'll just leave with one story, which is I had a a woman who I worked with. She was having her first baby at 41, and it was such a huge celebration. And she came from a big family, like five siblings and her mom and dad and his mom they were all at the house for the birth. And I'm always very cautious about that because birth is an intimate experience. And things were going on and on and on and on. Her labor was, you know, we're, we're, we're into the second, you know, full day of labor. And I asked permission, as I always do, to say, look, if things are going one direction, we might need to clear the, clear the house out. So we, we cleared the house out and everyone left. And it was 11 o'clock at night. And I lived in the Southeast at the time, so it was summer, and we had the windows open, and we could hear the crickets, and there were fans going. And I got out some music, and we started, myself and my my assistant at that time was my midwife mentor, the dancer. And um, I remember we put on Beatles Twist and Shout, and we put on UB40 Red, Red Wine. I still remember this. You know, it was like it was yesterday. It was 25, 28 years ago. And I said to the couple, you know, if you want to go in the bedroom and have some time to be intimate. And she really had it. Her dilation hadn't changed much over a couple of days, you know, and the baby was in a fine position. Everything medically was fine. So I said, if you guys want to go in the bedroom, you know, you could try being intimate. And they went in the bedroom for about 30 minutes. And all of a sudden we started hearing some pretty intense, what we thought were sex sounds. And we're kind of like trying not to listen in, but it was really loud. And then my mentor assistant Saran I looked at we looked at each other and we we're like wait a minute that's not sex anymore that's baby and within 30 minutes just that time of being physically intimate in a way that she felt comfortable with brought her baby down and she gave birth very quickly after and then then we invited the family back in, into the house and into the room so you know you can actually use physical intimacy and sexual pleasure as a way to increase oxytocin, contractions, ease, comfort, pelvic relaxation to facilitate birth. That's the other epidural.
0: Yes, what a beautiful way and a great story to bring us to closure so that people can see. We learned so much from every story of ways that we can integrate our sexuality and pleasure. And wow, right? I love that story and I love how sex and birth sounds
1: so similar when they're both going really well. So yeah, I you can totally you that- use that in a movie where you're faking someone out, right? Like if you ever watch a movie and you're listening and it's like, it sounds like someone's really getting it on and then they flip the frame and it's about, someone's about to have a baby.
0: I love that. So I know everyone's probably interested. Where can they find you? Can you share your website, your podcast? Yes. Where can people follow
1: you? Yes. So my website is just avivaram.com and there's lots and lots of great free resources over there. And then you can find out about my courses and my books and things like that too. And then I would say, if you really want to come hang out with me, Instagram is a place where I'm pretty active. So my Instagram is dr.avivaram, R-O-M-M. And that's where I announce all the things that I'm doing. So my latest podcast, if I'm doing a live event, like on Instagram or Zoom, great place to stay up on the latest things I'm posting about. So that's a wonderful way to connect. And I'm really over there checking my comments, so.
0: Thank you so much, Aviva. It's truly been a pleasure sharing this time with you. And thank you for inspiring us all. And thank you to everyone who joined us. I hope that you will get on Aviva's Instagram as well as ours and tag us. What are you birthing forward into your life and the way that you might talk about or experience birth? Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Oh, Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.